Well, Happy New Year's to all of you guys. Thank you. How many of you guys stayed up to midnight? You're crazy. All you guys, you're crazy. How many of you guys are hungover? I see those hands. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here at church anyway. Um, You know, holidays, we all have our traditions in holidays. Of course, Christmas, we open presents. Thanksgiving, we we cook a turkey. Um, New Year's, we stay up to midnight. And we also, one of the other things that we do that's really interesting to me on New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, is that as a culture, as, as, a, as, as a country, it's one of the few times, I think, that we're really, truly reflective, uh, introspective. We look back on our year, and we think about how the year was. Did it go well? Did it go poorly? Whatever. And then we look forward. And what do we do? We, we create resolutions, right? We say, you know, in this next year, I'm going to make sure I do this, or I'm going to make sure I don't do this. And as a culture, we end up really being more reflective than we often are. And what's interesting also is we, we kind of wipe the slate clean, and we look forward and with expectation for what the next year will be. And as it turns out, that's what we're talking about today, expectation. Um, this, this Advent, we've been in a series talking about uh, the ways that God's light comes into our darkness and we, we acknowledge that in the Christmas season and the holiday season, there are many things that we struggle with, we deal with. And sometimes even just because it's the holidays, we have things that we work through. Loneliness, um, stress of all sorts. We have uh, family breakups, those kind of things. There can be junk that shows up in our holidays. And we, we walk through a couple different things like waiting, abandonment, depression, and then on Christmas Eve, we began to kind of change the focus a little bit and talked about those on whom God's light has shone. And we talked about Joseph, the quiet one. And then on Christmas Day, we talked about Mary, the joyful one who sang the Magnificat. And today we talk about Simeon, the expectant one. Now, Simeon isn't... Uh, probably a major character in the Bible to a lot of people's minds. Um, Maybe some of you don't even know who Simeon is. He's kind of a a bit player, you would think. But in my mind, Simeon is as much a part of the Christmas story as the wise men or the shepherds. Simeon shows up in the story in Luke 2, exactly 41 days after Jesus was born. We know it was 41 days because according to the law of Moses, Jesus had uh, was circumcised eight days after he was born, and then 33 days after that, um, for, for the, the rites of purification for Mary, they went to the temple. So 41 days. And they went to the temple to present Jesus as the firstborn son. And they took two little turtle doves, about all his family could afford, and they got on a donkey, and they made the seven-mile trek from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, about a two- or three-hour trip. And then they came to the temple, and that's where... They meet Simeon, and that's where we'll pick up our story today. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. Father, as we study the story of Simeon, I pray that you would make his story real for us. Help us to enter into his story and help us to encounter your son as he did. Would we ask, depending on your Holy Spirit, in your name, amen. So in these 10 verses, I see a really nice, succinct summary of, of Simeon's life for us. And I see it in three acts, three parts. Act one is waiting. Act two is expectation, and act three is fulfillment. And in these acts, in these parts of his life, I see for us a lesson about what the meaning of Christmas is for us, what the meaning of Jesus' coming, and specifically, what the meaning of Jesus' coming for our prayer life. But uh, before we get there, we need to explore these periods of his life. First, act one. Waiting. Luke describes Simeon as righteous and devout. Simeon is a good guy. And as a righteous and devout Jew, Simeon knew about the prophecies that God had given to Israel about the Messiah who would come. You've heard these prophecies. If you've been here on Christmas Eve, you heard some of the words of Isaiah. And doubtless, Simeon knew these words. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Simeon waiting for this light to come into his land. And it wasn't just some sort of movement that he was waiting for, or a concept, or a philosophy. Simeon was waiting for a person. And we know this because as that passage in Isaiah continues, it says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Simeon was waiting for the Prince of Peace, the child who was to be given to the people of Israel. But this wasn't any kind of waiting. This wasn't Simeon just sitting around twiddling his thumbs and tapping his foot. This was a painful kind of waiting. And we know this because of the words that that Luke uses here. He says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation. Consolation isn't a word we use very often. But what it means is comfort after experiencing great pain or loss. Comfort after experiencing great pain or loss. So Simeon was waiting for comfort. He was waiting for relief from his pain And you can see that in his life that surely 
uh, there was a, a, a great amount of pain as he, as he looked around him and saw what was being experienced, maybe even in his own life, the sufferings around him. What I love about the Bible is the Bible doesn't skirt around the reality of, of the pain that we all experience as human beings. The Bible is really upfront about it in this passage in, in Simeon, but also in other places. About a month ago, Pastor Mark preached a sermon on waiting. And he preached from Psalm 46 and that, that refrain that is so familiar to us, and perhaps we've even prayed at ourselves, how long, O Lord? The words given to us for our own prayers, to cry out to God. And I'm sure these were words that Simeon was using, to say, how long, O Lord? Hundreds of years of occupation, of oppression, bloodshed, unrest, to see the poor suffer and the rich prosper. To see Simeon himself suffering and his people suffering. So no doubt he was praying, how long, O Lord? It's a prayer he was praying. I'm sure it's a prayer you've prayed. It's one I know I've prayed. I was identifying with Simeon, thinking about my own life and my own story. About two years ago, in December, two years ago, my wife, Pastor Megan, preached the hardest sermon she's ever had to preach. She shared with you guys our story of infertility. How we, up to that point, had been dealing with four years of diagnosed, unexplained infertility. We had done treatments, we had tried a lot of things, and nothing seemed to work. And so, our cry was, how long, O Lord? And we wanted, in that place, to stand before you as our community, and to declare, even though we didn't know whether we would have a child or not, that God was faithful. And yet, we were in that place of pain, of waiting, of crying out, how long? Maybe you are in that place. Maybe you understand that. Maybe you're waiting for a child. Maybe you're waiting for a diagnosis. Maybe you're waiting for a family member to reconcile. We know and we experience the waiting that Simeon experienced here. But the story continues. Luke says, The Holy Spirit was upon Simeon, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he has seen the Lord's Christ. So in the midst of Simeon's waiting, he receives a promise from God, a gift. And God says to his question of how long, God says, soon, soon, Simeon, you will see salvation. And so Simeon comes out of this first act of his life into this second act of expectation, this place between waiting and fulfillment, expectation. And expectation always hinges on a promise, doesn't it? You know this because you've you've been promised something, you know that something will happen or you think it will happen, so you build up expectation. One way of saying and talking about expectation is expectation is waiting with hope. Expectation is waiting with hope. We do a lot of waiting in our life. But this is probably the best kind of waiting. Waiting with hope. Again, as I was reflecting on Simeon's story, I I continued to identify it with my own story. Before we revealed 
to you guys that we were dealing with infertility, we had three separate occasions where individuals came up to us and told us that they were sure that God was telling them that we would have a child. Two of those people didn't even know we were dealing with infertility. One of those persons was Pastor Bill. About two weeks after Pastor Bill came on staff, he came up to Megan and I one Sunday. I remember we were standing right here. And he came up to us with this big grin on his face. And he said, all right, guys, what's your secret? And Megan and I just kind of had this quizzical look on our face. Not holding any secrets, as far as I know of, you know. And he, he kind of looked at us really close and he said, are you guys pregnant? And Megan and I looked at each other. And, you know, had a moment. And Megan looked at Bill and said, Bill, we were going to tell you. But you should know that we've been dealing with infertility for years now. As far as we know, we can't have kids. And Bill began to choke up. Tears coming out of his eyes. And he said, Megan, when I was looking at you up on that chancel, I was so certain, it felt so clear to me that God was telling me that you would have a child. Let me tell you, if you ever get the unction to tell someone that they're going to have a child... You better be very careful about that. <laughs> Bill was holding our hearts in his hand. And he was gentle about it. But man, when you are talking about hope or expectation, you're dealing with something dangerous, something scary. And yet, for Megan and I, after three of these times of people coming up to us, we began to have hope. We began to feel expectation, and to wonder cautiously, dangerously, if God would give us a child. Sure enough, two months after Megan talked about it with you guys that Sunday in December, we found out that we were pregnant. God was giving us a promise of life. You know, they call pregnant women expecting That's for a reason, because they're expecting, they're hopeful, waiting in hope for life to come. Nine months of waiting. So maybe through our story, you can kind of understand where Simeon is coming from. This period of his life and expectation that God has given him, this promise that he would see salvation. He is waiting, expectant. The Bible is full of these kinds of promises. And maybe you come across one that's spoken to you in a certain time of your life. Maybe you're someone who has dealt with fear or worry, and you come across and hear John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And you say, could that be? And you begin to expect peace from God. Or maybe you're someone who is in a place of loneliness and feel that you were unloved. And you come across Romans chapter 8, verse 38. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you begin to think, could I be loved? Could God's love be for me? And you begin to expect that love. Or maybe you're someone who is so tired and your soul needs rest. 
and you come across Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You begin to wonder, could I find rest? And you expect rest from God. And it's a dangerous place. It's a scary place to go out on a limb and to hope and wait and hope and expect that God could give these things to you. But it's a good place to be. Yes, the Bible is full of these kinds of promises. And as people of God, we are to be an expectant people, to be a hopeful people. And in the Bible, when it gives its promises, we can rely on them because the Bible is also full of stories of God's faithfulness, of God coming through on his promises. And Simeon's story is no different. Simeon's is one of those stories. As we read on in his story, we come to the moment, the moment where his expectations are met. He comes, he's led by the Holy Spirit into the temple. And you can just imagine him looking into the crowds, gazing with this gaze of hope and expectation here and there, wondering who might be the consolation of Israel. And then the Holy Spirit says, there. That family, that child, there's the consolation of Israel. And I tried to imagine the emotion of that moment. Who knows how long Simeon was waiting, how long he was in this place of expectation. Maybe for years and years and years and years. And I wonder if he ever doubted. But here it was, his moment of fulfillment. Once again, I had to think of my own story. And I had to think of the birth of my son. Nine months goes by. Reed's very comfortable in the womb. We had to kick him out. So we go to the hospital to get Megan induced. I remember sleeping very little that night in the hospital cot, waiting for the Pitocin to kick in, and it kicked in. And then the epidural kicked in. And there we were in the hospital room. And the moment came. Our child came out, wrinkly, screaming, red. And I have to say, it was the most emotional incredible moment of my life. I had no words. All I could do was look in his face and just say over and over, oh, oh, oh. That's all I could do. There in Megan's arms was our hope. What we had longed for and desired for so many years had arrived, had come. And as I revisited that time in my own life, I understood what Simeon must have felt. This was Simeon. Years of years of longing and of hope. Now, in his arms, held. And I realized that in my story and in Simeon's story, we had something in common. Because we had both hoped for a child. And we had both seen our hopes come true. And I can just imagine as Simeon held that child, he held him aloft and he says these words full of emotion. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, 
that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He had seen the salvation. What do you find fulfillment in? What do you find fulfillment in? I'm sure you could have identified with a person who is waiting, with Simeon as he is waiting. I'm sure you could have identified maybe with Simeon as he was expectant. But what do you find fulfillment in? As you think about your life, what are the things that you find fulfillment in? As followers of Jesus, I really believe that one of the most important things that we can grasp, that all, all, every single one of our hopes and desires are met in Jesus Christ. Every single one of our hopes and desires are met in Jesus Christ. The promises that I mentioned from Scripture earlier, all of them point to Jesus. If you want peace, where, who gives peace, true peace? Jesus does. If you want love, who is the one who gives eternal, true love? Only Jesus. If you want rest, who is the one who gives lasting, eternal rest? Only Jesus. And I think that is exactly what we see when we read Simeon's story, that he knew this as he held onto that child and blessed it. He knew that in his arms laid the fulfillment of all of his hopes and dreams. As we have been talking about Advent, we have been continuing to talk about prayer. We are in a year of prayer. And so we've revisited and thought about how this God's light coming into our darkness informs our prayer life. And I think when we read Simeon's story and we enter into it, we learn something about prayer, and that is this. It's the why of prayer. Why do we pray? We can pray for all sorts of reasons. Some of them good, some of them bad. Maybe we think it's a way to appease God, whatever. But there's only one reason that matters when we think about why we pray. And that is to grasp onto the living God. That is the reason why we pray. And this is so helpful for me to think of this because I understand as, as we pray, we come up with different reasons that sort of, maybe they're good reasons, but our heart is in the wrong place. When I was waiting for Reed and was hoping for him to come, truthfully, honestly, it didn't matter who he was. I loved him for who he was. No matter what came out of Megan, I loved him. And, we, and I recognize that even now, when he brings me joy and laughter, it's not because he brings me joy and laughter, it's really because of himself that I love him. And when we talk about prayer and why we do prayer, we must begin in that place to say, the reason why we pray is simply to encounter God. Not because of the benefits of prayer or because, of, because it's a requirement or a checklist or whatever. We do it to encounter Jesus. That's what Simeon shows us as he holds the baby in the temple. This is our image. This is our picture of what prayer could be for us. The privilege of encountering 
Jesus. All prayer is ultimately this. Whether you are interceding for someone, whether you are confessing your sins, whether you are lifting up praise, or even just listening, all prayer is this grasping a hold of God. Even in my own story, as I reflected on it, I realized that when I looked for fulfillment of this particular promise that I had, I recognized it really ultimately really was met in Jesus. And that comes through in our son's name, Michael Reed. Michael Reed. Michael is from the Hebrew, Mikhail, who is like God. That's what Michael means. And Reed is from Isaiah 42, where it says, A bruised reed he will not crush. Speaking of God's mercy. So even as we waited for that particular fulfillment, we recognized it was God who fulfills everything. Fulfills our all in all. One more thing that I noticed in this story, and this was that there was one other person who was so essential to, the, to Simeon finding fulfillment, and that is, this person is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who gave Simeon the promise. It was the Holy Spirit who led Simeon into the temple. And without the Holy Spirit, he would not have found that fulfillment. He would not have recognized that this child he held in his arms was the one who met all of his hopes and dreams. And that is true for us. That is true for us. We need the Holy Spirit to bring us to this same kind of temple encounter that Simeon had. So let me pray for us. Father, indeed we ask for your Holy Spirit to open our eyes to the beauty and the wonder of your Son for us. Lord, help us to reorient our lives, to find our hope and our expectation in you. Lord, help us to have the same encounter as Simeon did in that temple. As we pray, as we reach out to you, Lord, may we grasp a hold of you as our living and true God. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who does enable that, who empowers us, who gives us vision so that we too may see your salvation. So we ask for this. In the name of Jesus, amen.